You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Hello, good morning. I, uh, my name's Tom Rossi, one of the leaders here at River City Church. I am the only one this morning without a British accent. <laughs> Pretty excited about that. <laughs> um, we are in a series where we've been talking about grace We've been talking about the idea of how the gospel is really the gospel of grace and um, talking about growth coming out of that, how, how grace is really the grounds for grace. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit, I just want to remind us of, of the grace that, that we've talked about, that God has given us everything, um, that we have, it's not something that we earned, it's not something that we deserved, it's something that God gave us. Um, and so... We're going to be looking at Romans this morning, so we're going to start in Romans 5, 6 through 8. And this is, uh, this is the gospel of grace right here. He says, you see, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he says, you see, it at just the right time, at just the right time when we were still powerless, when we still had absolutely no, nothing of our own, not, no power, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the work of Jesus is that while we were powerless to do anything, we were trapped in our own selfishness, that we were a, a slave to an old way of, of living, a way that would eventually lead to death in this life and in the life to come. It was, it was a destructive life. And Jesus comes and says, I'm going to change everything. The work that I'm going to do on the cross will change everything for now and forever. That is the, the gospel. And it's something that you didn't earn because you were powerless. And Antley talked about the parable of the, the Good Samaritan, the idea that we were in, in, you know, lying unconscious in a ditch. And God came and did all the work on our behalf. God was the actor. He was the one that did everything. We get to receive this grace. And not only is it a deliverance from this pattern, this destructive behavior, this, the, the, the results of our own selfishness, but in this process, God also gives us his spirit. He gives us his spirit to lead us, to change us, so that we can become something different so that we can live differently. Jesus would say at one point that it's, it's like being born again, that we get to be born again, born no longer just of the flesh, but of the spirit, that we actually have the spirit of God living inside of us. That is the gospel of grace. It's powerful. Gospel, good news. It is the good news. And this is what, what's fun is this week in the life course, we're talking about grace. We're talking about this, this principle. And so if this is new to you, if you haven't been here before or whatever, and you're not doing the life course, come this week to the life course. Come this week to the life course. This idea of grace and the good news of Jesus and how that all fits, that God now relates to us in a different way as a result of what Jesus has done. By the grace of God, we have a right relationship with him. He leads us. So if you... If you really get this, if you really start to, to, to believe what we're saying, you have to ask the question, what's the catch? 
right? It sounds too good to be true. You're saying, it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter what I've done, that now and forever, what Jesus has done is for me. That he's, that he's, not only has he freed me from the things that I've done, but all the good things that he did, all the righteousness that he earned has been given to me. And there's nothing I have to do to keep it or to earn it. You have to ask, what's the catch? And the thing is, don't worry. A lot of Christians will tell you the catch. Don't believe them. Don't believe them. Don't believe anyone who says, yeah, 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 the gospel, but you need to do this. Yeah, that's all true. Yeah, God loves you and he did all this stuff for you, but you need to, no. As soon as they say, but, you need to just shut them down. Uh Uh-uh. There's no catch. There is no catch. It is the gospel. It is something that you haven't earned. And so don't think that you could earn it later. Don't think after, and some of us, you know, we've been, we've been Christians for a while and we get back into this behavior and we forget. You can't earn it. So the other question, if we're honest, first one might be what's the catch, but the other one is, well, why are we talking about growing? Why grow at all? Why change? Maybe it's just me. I'm worse than that. I'm worse than that. If I'm honest, this is, this is my thinking, right? Well, grace is a good thing, right? Grace is a good thing. The more that I sin, the more grace there is, which is a good thing. Seems like I could make this thing work, right? If grace is a good thing, why grow at all? Why do anything good? Why not whatever? Why not just... <laughs> Let grace abound, which is exactly what Paul asks. So Paul, so Paul sets the stage where he's, he's explained the gospel of Jesus. And then in Romans 6.1, so right after this, in Romans 6.1, he says it like this. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning, Tom, so that grace may increase? Is that... Is that what we should do? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. That's what we're going to look at is Paul's response to that question. Why grow at all? So let me pray. God, we are so thankful for your grace. We are so thankful that you have acted on our behalf and the things that you have done, that you have set us free. God, that you are not mad at us, that you love us, that while we were powerless at just the right time, You've accomplished what we were unable to accomplish for ourselves. This morning, help us to grow. Give us the desire to grow. Give us the desire to have the desire to grow. Help us to live differently. In Jesus' name, amen. So we ask the question, you know, does grace, if, if, if we really comprehend this, is, is, is the result of that going to be that we're actually going to live differently? And I would say this. Jesus' approach is that he offers grace first, and then the life transformation happens. Then the growth occurs. The very thing that people say will cause people not to change. They'll be, Tom, man, if you go around telling everybody about this grace stuff, they're never going to do anything right. They're just going to take advantage of it. Right? They'll say that grace is not going to help people to change. In fact, it's going to do the opposite. But Jesus 
took the other approach. The world says, live differently. Religion says, live differently and you will receive grace. I mean, if you just get your life together, you can receive God's grace too. That's not grace at all. That's not anything that we read about. Live differently and you will receive grace. That's what the world says. But Jesus says, receive grace and you will live differently. Receive grace. Believe what I'm telling you. Receive what I'm offering you. And as a result, you will live differently. Antley talked about Zacchaeus, right? The wee little man, the tax collector. Jesus offers him grace. Man, I want to be with you. I want to I come to your house. I want to eat a meal with you. And what's Zacchaeus' response? Not, oh man, I can tax people more. Apparently I'm a good guy. I can do whatever I want. His response is, I want to change, Jesus. I'm going to make things right. His response to grace is to want to change. The woman caught in adultery, the story we told of the woman who's, who's caught in the act of adultery, and Jesus offers her grace. Does no one condemn you? Neither do I. Jesus, seriously? Is that what you want to lead off with? How about we say now, now ma'am, I think we both know this is not a good predicament you've gotten yourself into. Right? This is a teaching opportunity, Jesus. Don't blow it. Does no one condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. He offers her grace, and then he says, now go live differently as a result of what I'm, what I'm offering you. While we were powerless, grace came to us. There was someone, another story, just because I, I don't think people believe this, that grace comes first and then transformation can happen. There was a, a, a friend in a friend's Bible study who, and I'm not going to, I'm going to try and not use any names or anything, um, who, who had been a part of this Bible study for a long time, but there was no fruit in their life. Like they continued, they would go and they would read and they would study the scriptures and they knew the scriptures, but their life was just on this destructive, it was just this destructive pattern. Like could not realize that the things that they were studying in the Bible actually affected the way that this person was living. And so I was talking to um, other people in the Bible study and they were saying, you know, how, man, you know, what do we, what do, what do, we do? And uh, we found out that this person started going to River City Church. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's the wrong church. River City Church is all about grace, man. She doesn't need grace. She needs to go to First Baptist. She needs somebody, oh, I said she, or he, it could be a guy. <laughs> this person doesn't need more grace. This person needs, you know, to, they need somebody to get in their face and tell them to change the way they're living. Well, this person ends up going to River City Church and what years of Bible study couldn't accomplish happens in a matter of months. This person experiences grace, experiences the love of Christ. And next thing you know, the entire trajectory of this him or her's life is changed to the point of quitting and going into ministry. I mean, it's incredible. Grace comes and changes everything. If we allow it, people's lives are changed when we receive God's grace. And this is important. We at River City Church believe this. We believe in transformations. RCC gets a bad rap. I gave it a bad rap. I said it, all right? I didn't say it. I don't think any of us really said it. We just thought it. River City, maybe that's not the right church. 
We get a bad rap because we do. We focus on grace. We want people to get healed up. We want people to experience God. But you know what? We want people to be transformed. We want people to change. We want people to live in a, in a way that more reflects Jesus. We want people to live in a way that loves Jacksonville, the way that Jesus loves Jacksonville. But we believe that that starts with grace. We believe that that starts with being healed in an, ex, in an authentic experience of God. We as a church, we as followers of Jesus, believe absolutely in transformation, total transformation, total change. We believe that when we first become a Christian, when you first accept what God has done for you, that that grace penetrates you and that you become a new creation. Like we talked about, Paul would say you are a new creation when you put your faith in him, when you accept what he's done for you. That immediately, it's like, it's like being born again. It's like going from death to life. It's like going, going, being a whole new person. We believe in that. But then we believe this process will continue. It doesn't stop. It will continue until the day we die. We will become more and more in the image of Jesus. The more that we allow that same grace, that same spirit that we receive to affect us, to change us, to mold us, the more that we will become the likeness of Jesus. The world says things like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. A tiger can't change its stripes. And they will tell you, going to Jesus isn't going to change anything. That's what the world will tell you. But Jesus says, no, no. Coming to me is like being born again. It's like starting a whole new life. Everything changes. Jesus wants us to grow. Jesus wants us to be transformed Make no mistake that he didn't just come to give us his righteousness. He didn't just come to deliver us, but he came to, to set us free, to live differently, that we wouldn't be stuck in our own selfishness, that we wouldn't be powerless, that we wouldn't remain powerless to change. Instead, he gives us his power to change. He demonstrates a life for us. He spoke about how to live he demonstrated a life that is loving and abundant and that is led by the Spirit, the same Spirit that rose him from the dead, the same Spirit that leads us. Anything else is hopeless. It's hopeless. Let me, let me think about this for a second. When I first became a Christian, when I first became a Christian, I was like, you know, in my mid-20s or something, 20s, and um, my mom didn't know how to deal with it. Like, she, she's like, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on. So for, somehow in her, in her thinking, she thought that she would start to buy me like, um, like bookmarks with um, puppies and, and, you know, like, like kittens and things like that would say things like, like I, I remember one, you know, a kitten hanging, hanging from a branch, you know, meow, hanging, hanging from a branch that said, Christians aren't perfect, you know, just forgiven. Or, you know, there's nothing that you and I can't handle, Lord. Like, all, you know, these, I'm sorry if, if that's a poster on your wall at this point. But finally, I had to tell him, like, Mom, you know, I'm a Christian, but um, I'm still a grown man. You know, like, I'm not, this will not find its way anywhere in my house. But, but Dallas Willard, in his book, he makes this point that, that some of us, it's become the way that we summarize Christianity, and he talks about, you know, this teddy bear that's adorned with tiny hearts and a tassel and then, you know, wide eyes, and it looks like it's done something naughty. And it says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. 
And it creates this idea, is that really what Christians are? Is that how we summarize what it means to be a Christian? Is that we're just forgiven? That's hopeless. Jesus' hope is that we will be set free to live a different life, that we will be transformed, that we will grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus who experienced abundant life led by the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? Jesus is my hope to be more like him in the way that I relate to my wife, to my kids, to my friends. That's, that's my hope. Anything else is hopeless. If it's just forgiven, then take me now, Lord. Like, what, what's left? Okay, so somehow we forgot about Paul. Okay, so Paul, Paul asked the question. So let's see how he answers the question. He says, you know, whatever we had just said, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And then this is how he answers it. He gives a couple different answers. In Romans 6, 2 through 4, he says this. He says, by no means, by no means, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Live a new life. When we choose to receive what God has done for us, we have an opportunity to live a new life. And yet some of us continue to look for life in the places that never gave us life before. We continue to look in the same old places that we used to look rather than looking to what God has, rather than living a new life. And Paul is making the point we died to that sin Many of us continue to think about the things that we've done and, and, and the enemy would love to remind us of those things and try to separate us. But Paul says, you have died to those things. Don't think about them. You've died to those. Why shouldn't we continue sinning so that grace can abound? Because we've died to those things. We don't need to. We get to live a new life, empowered by the Spirit of God to live differently. And you know, the other thing that, that some of you, some of you this morning, I want, you to, I want you to hear this. He's saying that you have died and been raised new. There is freedom in that. There is freedom right now for you to think, to really come to grips with you have died and have been raised in Christ. The old life, the, all the pressures, all the things that you thought were so important, all the things that, that, that hurt you, all the, all the hurt that you inflicted, everything. You, that person died. You get to live a new life. Paul says, why? Why should we grow? Why should we change? Because that, that old person is dead. That way isn't going to lead to life. We get to live a new life. Why should we grow? So we can live the new life that Christ has bought us. He goes on in Romans 6.15. What then? Shall we sin? Because we're, he's, he's talking about this idea that and when grace came, we've been set free from the law. We've been set free from, from religion, from trying on our own efforts to get things right with God. That that is no longer the way that God relates to us. Instead, he relates to us through grace. And so he says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. 
whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. He's making this point of, you are no longer slaves to that way of living. Before you were a slave. Before you had no choice, but now you have a choice. Now you've been set free. You've been set free, and it's an odd kind of freedom. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest, for my burden is light, right? There is, there is a burden. There is, there is a sense of following Jesus. The reality is we will be slaves to something. We will be slaves to something. And Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary, man, you've been a slave to sin for so long. Come to me because I'm a better master. I'm a master who's going to lead you into life. That's going to lead you into death. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what Paul is, is, is calling out here. Is he saying, why shouldn't we sin anymore? Because we don't, want to be sit, we don't want to be slaves anymore to that. We've been set free. But so many of us have like Stockholm syndrome, right? Where we think, well, no, no, that wasn't that bad. We think, oh, you know, I, at least I knew what it was like. Maybe it's fear. We're afraid of change. Well, that's what I've always known was that life. Maybe that's where I was comfortable that's probably the biggest challenge facing us as a church is being comfortable. Comfort will lead you to death. To just sit there and rot and say, well, at least I'm comfortable. Yeah, but you're a slave to an old way of living that's going to lead to death. It doesn't lead to life. Paul is making that point. Why continue to be slaves? Be free. The reign of sin is over. Think about that for a second. Jesus said it all the time. He said, the kingdom of God is here. The reign of God is here. Everything's gonna change. The rulership of the creator, the rulership of God is here in the most powerful way that it's ever been. The reign of sin as a master is over. The reign of grace is here. That's another way to say the message of Jesus, to say the good news. We no longer have to walk in the old ways. We can walk in relationship with God. We can go to him. We can be empowered by him. So why? Why should, we, why should we grow? What is Paul saying? We should grow so that we can be free of the reign of death. And we can live under the reign of God and the kingdom. So this morning, God has shown us incredible grace. In Jesus, we have seen and received incredible grace. In the work of Jesus, the gift of himself, the gift of his spirit, what will our response be? What will our response be? How will we respond to this incredible love that's been demonstrated? Will we allow grace to change us? Do we want to grow? And some of us, I don't know. Man, I'm comfortable. I don't know if I want to grow. I don't know if I want to change. Right now, we're going to have an opportunity. We're going to ask God to come. And some of us, the question is, God, where do you want me to grow? How do you want me to grow? Because I want it. I want more. I want more of life. I want to be free. Some of us, we, we just need to pray, God, give me the desire to have the desire to change. Because right now, I don't have it. Right now, I'm just totally fine in my mind. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm doing just great. 
right? And so this morning, what we're going to say to the Holy Spirit is, come and give us the desire, to have the desire to change, to have the desire to grow. And I believe God will be faithful in that. So let's, let's invite him right now. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your, for your gospel. We thank you for Paul, who just says it, exactly what we're thinking. And we pray this morning that you would do that, that you would show us how you want us to grow, how you want us to change, what areas of our life you want to touch. And for those of us who, who don't think that we're there, God, that you would give us the desire to be there, that you would give us the desire to want to live differently, to want to be changed, to grow. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.